From the Edwin Cardinal O'Brien Pastoral Center in Washington, D.C., home base for the Archdiocese for the Military Services USA, this is Catholic Military Life, the only official podcast of the Archdiocese. I'm your moderator, Taylor Henry. And joining me by phone today from Lincoln, Nebraska, Father Captain Michael Zimmer of the Nebraska Air National Guard. Uh, Father Zimmer, thank you so much for talking to me today. It's my pleasure to join you. And uh, you are at the uh, 155th Air Refueling Wing there in Lincoln. Is that right, sir? That is correct. I'm the pastor of two small parishes in Sutton and in Grafton, and then the full-time chaplain here for the 155th. Uh, we fly the KC-135 refuelers. Outstanding, and thank you for your service, Father Zimmer. Question, you were here in D.C. Uh, in January for the inauguration. Uh, tell me about that. What was your experience like? It was a, a very surreal experience. I I went to seminary in uh, Mount St. Mary's up in Emmonsburg, Maryland, so I've been to D.C. many, many times. And uh, so this was just a very, very different experience to see it as it is with all the, the fence uh, fences up and the checkpoints and uh, just the guard presence. Um, it was so it was very very surreal. My uh, my responsibility was actually the Capitol Hill, so I was the priest, uh, kind of in that main area with the uh, the Capitol building, the Senate, the Supreme Court, the Library of Congress, and the House of Congress, and so I kind of floated around in that area and provided services, uh, mass and confessions, and and supported the uh, chaplains who were with their own particular units that were in those areas. So you were at what became on January 6th, ground zero, so to speak. Correct, correct. Yep, I was in the, the main restricted area. And where did you celebrate the mass while you were here? Well, it, uh, a couple of different locations. Uh, the, the, the probably the most impactful, um, or at least for me personally, was uh, I celebrated many masses uh, actually in the hallways in the, the Capitol. Uh, you saw the pictures of the soldiers, you know, laying on the cots and kind of finding their space down there. So I, we found a back hallway that where it was somewhat out of the traffic and. Uh, just set up on a table, and I celebrated multiple masses there. Uh, we could try and hit the soldiers coming on and off the ship. Wow. Well, let's back up for a second. And uh, how did uh, the Nebraska National Guard, I assume that would be the, both the Army and Air National Guard, correct? Correct. Uh, how did uh, you receive word, and when did you find out that you would be coming to D.C. to uh, keep order and uh Make sure that the you know uh, First Amendment protests were going in an orderly fashion after the June after the January sixth uh, sacking of the Capitol. How how soon after that, or was it before that you found out you'd be coming? So I knew before um, that they had requested chaplains' assistance and, and presence before that. Um, that was, but that was me specifically as a chaplain. So I went to D.C. separate from our Nebraska Guard. We had 280 members from the both Air and Army from Nebraska. And uh, what happened was a- after the January 6th incident, um, 
I got contacted oh probably about a week before the inauguration and asked if I would be able to extend so if I could come earlier and stay longer uh, and that was about the same time that they were getting ramped up for the larger numbers and so I had probably about a week uh, in terms of heads up for the change of what my dates would be in DC. Originally you were going to be here how long and how, and what did that yeah. change to? Sure it, it was originally supposed to be just three days uh, and then it turned into uh, just about uh, nine days so um, yeah. I see. And uh, reading through the press, uh, I uh, saw that originally there were going to be about 30 Guard members coming from Nebraska, including religious support. So uh, I'm sure that was you. And then you said after afterward it uh, came up to 280. Correct. And so, um, okay, so uh, did, did you uh, wind up coming separately or did you come with, uh, with the uh, uh, other Guard members? So I, I came separately um, uh, because I was on a different tasking than the rest of our Nebraska Guard. So the Nebraska Guard, was they were on different parts uh, throughout the city. Um, but my again, my responsibility was the Joint Task Force for the Capitol Hill. So I, I was on just, uh, different orders from them. And I did actually catch a ride back with uh, my unit. They, uh, they flew back on the same Sunday that I was going to, so I was able to be with our members on that and, and support them on the way home. Uh, and I connected with them throughout uh, different times throughout the week uh, whenever they requested certain specific things. But for the most part, I was separated from them. So when did you arrive and when did you leave? Uh, I arrived Saturday uh, the 16th, and uh, I left late. Sunday the 24th. So I guess it'd be just over, yeah, eight, nine, eight days. So share with us, what was the mood among uh, your unit, uh, other members of the Guard, uh, conversations you had, uh, any uh, spiritual issues that might have come up during this time that uh, uh, you discussed with uh, uh, those you served? Uh, give us a little uh, snapshot of what it was like during those nine days you were here after, after such a uh, an unruly crowd that um, descended on the Capitol of just a few days before your arrival. So when, when, uh, the weekend that I arrived, um, it, it was just amazing to see the sheer number of troops brought in. I, you know, I think the final number was 25,000 troops. And uh, just to be able to kind of witness that, and how fast the Guard responded. And so the days leading up to the inauguration, um, there, there was definite anticipation. Uh, there was a focus, and without a doubt, a, a, a sense of energy to them. There was, uh, you know, just the question of is something going to happen or not. Uh, and so, just the, the, the buildup of sheer numbers uh, brought in itself a certain degree of intensity. Uh, once the inauguration happened, and thankfully uh, nothing occurred, which was, you know, the, the best result possible. That was the hope, the goal. Uh, then, then afterwards, you could definitely tell a, a big relaxing, kind of that exhaling of a, a held the breath for many days. And and afterwards, when the realization of okay, this is you know we did our job, it's time to go home. Uh, and, and that's kind of one of the unique things about the guard is um, the how quickly the light switch turns off and I mean turns on and and then turns off. So. Um, 
see the the mobilization and then kind of the deactivation all in just within a week was quite impressive. So the morale was, was very good. Um, I, I know the media picked up on the, the stain in the garages. That was definitely a little bit lower of a morale point um, that had an impact on the soldiers. But, I mean, it was just kind of the way it had to be. Uh, but they needed to be in that area. And so, uh, but the guard is very professional at what they do. And so uh, we, we worked through any of those issues. Uh, the, the, the big issues is the most that I came across was, the, uh, again, that sense of surrealness of, uh, of, of defending the Capitol. You know, when you sign up, you... Uh, somebody asked me this, this uh, or made the comment. They said, "I imagine you you signed up expecting to say, celebrate mass in the desert, not in the Capitol building." <laughs> I chuckled at that and I said, "Yes." Uh, so I mean, you know, though it, it's just a strange experience to have to do that. Uh, very, very uh, strange, strange for remember. I want to go back to the reference you made to the garage, and I'm reading through some of the press in uh, Nebraska, and it was reported that the um, some of the guard members from Nebraska were forced to sleep in a garage. Is, is that true? Were you moved out of hotel rooms and into a garage at the Capitol? So uh, the, there were uh, members who had to sleep in the garage. Um, what, what actually was occurring there was the day of the inauguration, so at 2 in the morning until 2 in the morning after the inauguration, they did a 100% total force lockdown. Uh, so if you were in the restricted zone, you had to stay in. If you were out, you were not allowed in. Uh, they were just doing that for security purposes. And so all of those pictures that you saw, that was uh, the soldiers kind of resting off of their shifts because they were in that restricted area. Uh, and so while, while staying there, they needed a place to relax and kind of unwind or, or get a quick snooze or a quick break because they were on 12-hour shifts. And so that's why they were there. Um, so, and, and then the other days outside of that 24-hour window, they typically, most of the soldiers would were put up in a hotel uh, somewhere around in or around D.C., and then they would be bussed into that area and, and do that 12-hour shift cycle. So they would be on for on guard for an hour and a half to two hours and then get a quick break so the the, the garage was a nice place it was warm inside so the soldiers were actually pretty happy about that i i joked with some people i said this is what army does they just they, they normally do that now air force we stay in hotels but. <laughs> <laughs> now this garage was it on the house side under one of the office buildings it was yeah it was underneath the house of congress um and so it became a great spot for the soldiers um, because we weren't able to function out of the Capitol building after the inauguration happened. Uh, up to the inauguration, there was um, down in the main atrium was where many of the soldiers were arrested, and that's where the original picture kind of happened. And people sent the picture saying, "Shouldn't these guys have some costs and things like that?" Which they eventually did, and, um, but they. You know, they were happy to have whatever they had. But at least they were indoors and out of the elements and um, a place to take a quick breather. And hopefully you had ready access to facilities and whatnot. Yep. Yep. So um, on the day of the inauguration, where were you, Father? On 
the day of the inauguration, I was actually at the armory, which is about six minutes away from the Capitol. Um, we, my supervisor, my superior there, uh, the main chaplain, uh, so I was actually put on the division level. So in the main areas, all of the other chaplains are all with their individual battalions. But because I'm a priest, there's so few priests in the military. There was actually, uh, surprisingly enough, there were five of us who activated all five of our Air National Guard. So two of us were on what was being tasked as the quick response force. So we were staged at the armory. Uh, in case there was uh, there was any major event, we had uh, an individual who had Secret Service clearance, and so they would be able to get us anywhere um, that we would need to go to for um, for if there happened to have been any sort of event. So our our the way that it planned is they didn't want us being locked in without uh, and losing kind of some of that mobile ability that we have by being on the quick reaction force. And so I was not on the hill itself. And I'm sure you were watching live on television, right? We were, yep. I yep. see. And you describe your experience as surreal. It had to have been somewhat like uh, preparing to go into battle, or was it? It, it was. It was a very strange experience. Um, the, the most, uh, I guess, semi-intense moment was uh, a couple of days before the inauguration, uh, there was a, a homeless man who had accidentally lit a propane tank on fire. He was underneath one of the bridges and, and exploded. Well, um, before it was known that it was a homeless man, the question, it, they weren't sure what was going on. So the Capitol building went on again, another total lockdown. And so 100% force went out to the fences. And so, so everybody throwing on Kevlar helmets and vests and uh, and running out to the gates was a, a just a surreal again that sense of that sense of battle being there was, was a very strange moment uh, going out with them to the fence line and thankfully again nothing happened especially when they gave the all clear letting you know that it was a homeless person but uh, just having that that kind of on edge of of waiting was a, a, a very different experience to have while just standing in the heart of D.C. What made it so surreal was just being in a first world country and seeing kind of almost a third world uh, normal response. We're talking to Father Michael Zimmer uh, of the United States Air Force. He is a, a chaplain in the uh, Nebraska Air National Guard. Uh, and Father Zimmer was uh, here for the inauguration of uh, President Joe Biden. Um, so when the, you first received orders, I understand the Nebraska uh, National Guard was invited to D.C. by the D.C. National Guard. Uh, when you first had orders, uh, as I understand it, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, you had not anticipated, your unit, your fellow guardsmen had not anticipated uh, being armed or heavily armed uh, when you came to D.C., and then those orders changed. Is that correct? That's correct. Our initial orders and mostly the initial members here, um, which we've supported the D.C., uh, the inaugurations in the past, and so normally we support in terms of logistics. So we had people who were going out for processing and just kind of the normal things that happen in the background. And so um, when they increase the number and the type of order that 
that was just something that I was able to process and figure out how that request was going to be fulfilled. And of course, the guard trains uh, uh, on uh, how to handle a crowd, how to de-escalate tense situations, and uh, uh, I'm sure that all that training was brought to bear as you headed to the nation's capital. Yes, um, you know, we. It's the reason why we train the way we do. Um, when there was the social unrest uh, this last spring, and the guard was activated for um, for crowd control and for anti-riot. Uh, many of our members here in Nebraska uh, were activated for a few days for that as well. And so uh, it's something you never want to happen, but they prepare for that and they do a great job with their professionalism. So uh, what was your reaction when the inauguration was over with? There was no violent clash. Uh, you knew that it, uh, uh, you know, that what was feared was not going to transpire and you guys would be headed safely back to Nebraska. How did you feel at that point? Just, uh, you know, just a sense of um, relief of nothing happened. And uh, it's a strange feeling when, you know, you you see such the extent of force that was there uh, and for nothing to occur, there can be a temptation to think, well, what was the point? And the whole point was that nothing happened. And so it was a successful mission. And, and that's where you really need to just kind of keep that focus is that nothing did happen. So uh, they did their jobs well. Uh, which was the goal. Can you share with us uh, your reflections on uh, the fact that this did happen in the United States? Uh, we've seen so much about uh, how this looked like something that would go on in a third world country. Uh, what are your thoughts about that, Father? Well, you know, one of the great things about the military is it's, it's apolitical, um, and that's what makes us very distinct from other countries throughout the world. And so, you know, it, it's sad that um, in our great tradition of, of being able to protest, which is a constitutional right, that um, as we've seen protests throughout this whole year, uh, that wasn't exclusive to this particular one, that protests have been turning violent. So it's just a great reminder that uh, as our military, we are not, a, we're not used as a policing force. We're a apolitical force that really pro uh, promotes peace. And so uh, seeing that in different capacities throughout the course of this year is just a great reminder and a need for our, our culture and our society to, uh, to re-embrace some of our, our inherent values that, that we hold important here in our country and, and how to have discussions, particularly with people with whom we disagree, uh, so that we don't allow it to get to the levels that it has. Again, as we've seen throughout the country, throughout this whole last year, how do we sit down and, and have discussions in a, in a good way that doesn't pretend that there aren't any issues, but is able to acknowledge issues and, and move forward? I've been talking to Father Captain Michael Zimmer, chaplain for the Nebraska Air National Guard, joining us by phone from the 155th Air Refueling Wing in Lincoln. The Archdiocese for the Military Services USA, the AMS, was established by Pope St. John Paul II in 1985. Her mission? To provide for the free exercise of Catholic faith and the U.S. military, VA medical centers, the civilian workforce employed by the federal government beyond U.S. borders, and the families of these populations, making the AMS the Church's only truly global archdiocese. 
among pastoral services provided by the AMS under Archbishop Timothy Brolio, celebration of the sacraments, endorsement of chaplains, evangelization and religious education, sacramental record-keeping, a thriving seminarian program, pastoral visitation by the bishops to military installations worldwide, and more. All told, 1.8 million Catholics all over the world depend on the AMS based in Washington, D.C. to meet their spiritual and sacramental needs. The AMS receives no government funding. She depends entirely on private gifts for survival. For more information, visit millarch.org. That's M-I-L-A-R-C-H dot O-R-G.